is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Doug Shapiro, we discuss effective communication, Disney, and how he shines his light. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Doug Shapiro. Go do something you're not sure about. Put yourself out there and fail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Do do get up and opportunity. I mean, that's seizing an opportunity. Um, you know, having the the quick thought on the feet to get up, get out, go do it again. Yeah. Take another shot. Don't let it beat you down. Pick yourself up. Keep moving forward. Right. You know. And it was sloppier than that. I mean, it was emotional and awful, yeah. and uncomfortable, and at work. Uh, the other one was at, I've been working at the same theater for over 20 seasons, for over 20 years, the Barnstormers in Hamworth, New Hampshire, which I love them. Um, and I did this play that the audiences love and the actors hate called The Ghost Train. It is horribly written, but there's like a big train live sound cue that just drives the audience nuts. I'm in there and I'm playing, I'm not in my comfort zone, which is playing the multiple character track who gets to wink at the audience like, yep, yeah, it's me again in this hat. I'm the evil character. I come in like an hour and a half in and I just stand there and it's only me being evil to everyone on the stage. And it's like the, you know, the inspector at the end of an Agatha Christie saying, here's what happened. You did that, but you did that, but you did that. No one can save you. So I had an hour and a half and I'm, you know, this is as I'm getting into my forties and, you know, the, I've got an hour and a half to be like, what are my lines? What are my lines? What are my lines? And obsessing over it, which started happening as I'm getting older. And one night I went in and I went up. No one can save you. So I was standing up there with what I'm assuming was about seven and a half hours. <laughs> and um, oh, eventually yeah. this one actor, uh, you know, who has like, you know, you know, she's got emotional issues. Just as if she's seeing a vision and like the last line that we were able to sort of save it. It was one of the most horrible moments for me. What I learned was, yeah. okay, you know what? The lines don't come as easy anymore. Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, I've been working at this theater since I was 30 and now it's, you know, now you don't have the same process. So what I got to do is say, okay, well, what do we do? So I started memorizing two months before the job mm. and there's a, uh, there's a way of memorization, sort of an in-between stage that's been attributed to Allison Janney, which is why she's always word perfect. <laughs> now that I have a great agent at Take Three who actually gets me lots of auditions, this has been really handy. Um, yeah. You write the initial uh, letter of every single word in the sentence using all punctuation, all capitalization, all punctuation, and you write it out. So it's actually an in-between stage to knowing nothing and being off book. You can now look at it and get clues. Mm. You write out the other person's entire line, and then you write yours in initial caps or initial letters. Sure. And that's a transition point that I've been able to use thanks to failing horribly on stage and standing there for seven and a half hours swinging yeah. in the breeze. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Some people told me it was, some people told me it was 30 seconds. I don't believe it. <laughs> might have even been shorter you never know although it feels it like might, an eternity it when it happens you know it's I, an attorney and of course i've destroyed my, what's going through my mind is i've definitely destroyed theater as we know it the <laughs> art form is dead because i'm a terrible person someone else messes up on stage i am there i am thrilled i am it is an honor and a privilege to be able to great i gotcha great let's do this and bail them out and move the show along and it's exciting yeah. but if i fail Oh, I've got to punish myself afterwards and be that I've actually stopped now. 
but it's it's not the first instant. I have to call myself on it, and then I'm able to go on. I beat myself up that night, though. Yeah, Oof. yeah. There's so many there's so many credits that, and I don't want to make you go through your whole resume. So the first one that comes to mind is Finding Nemo, <laughs> which is coming yes. back in a slightly different form. My is my understanding in, at Disney. Yeah, it's on its way back. According to D23 the other day, it's going to be revisited with some new scenes, I think, from the newer film and a slight, yeah, slight shift, uh, which oh is news, goodness. I guess, to you, which is exciting. <laughs> it is, yeah. So I that, I really don't know much more than that, um, but I'm sure you can check it out somewhere online. Um, what was yeah. that journey to joining the show and any standout, you know, fan, just fantastic memories of it sure it's a relationship thing uh in new hampshire before i started working with barnstormers i was at mount washington valley theater company and kristen anderson now kristen anderson lopez is is also a brilliant music theater actor because she needed more things that she does amazingly well besides being gorgeous (laughs) and incredibly talented so she was maria in the sound of music and i was franz her gay jewish nazi butler (laughs) and uh and so we became friends through that. Yeah. Then when uh, she started writing, I started doing workshops for her at Theater Works USA, et cetera. So when Finding Nemo happened, mm. um, you know, you've got your celebrities and then you've got your Hermish Bucha, who she knows and are reliable and can jump in. I was one of them. We did, uh, I did three of the workshops, mm. two in New York and one in, uh, one in LA. Mm. It was the music was so good. The first time we did the workshop, we sang it through. There were no notes. The show we did in that first workshop is almost identical to what went up on that stage. Wow. It's that good. And when they were done, like, all right, we're done. Any any questions? And I said, can we sing Go With The Flow again? And Victor Hawks, who was playing Crust, bitch. Because <laughs> he has to belt all the way there. But damn it, we did. It's so good. I love it. Um, then when I got to record for the album, so my voice is also on the album, um, you know, with uh, you know, with a whole bunch of parts and uh, and also singing with myself a few times there. So of course the blend is amazing because they're all me. Um, <laughs> the day we went into that amazing, amazing studio to record, uh, like I had left my wallet in a cab, and it was fine because I was so happy. I was so happy. <laughs> You're like, take it all. <laughs> But also, like I'm motive, like what really motivates me is being able to be of service to writer and composer friends and help them to fulfill their vision. Yeah, I, I'm not really motivated by. All right, I'm going to do a cabaret because these are the songs in my head. And I want to express my feeling. What jazzes me is being in service to someone else's vision, and seeing if I can flex to it. Mm. That's why I work with so many, um, you know, so many new works through um, NYU graduate programming music theater writing and bmi and uh ascap i do that all the time yeah and this was exactly that helping Kristen and bobby who i love and adore being able to do their vision by playing a bunch of roles for them it was great and also going to the park and hearing my voice come out of the lobster come on (laughs) especially the one uncomfortable with the gay humor that's irony (laughs) no the music is so it's so smartly written um, especially that, and you were, this. did you do, you were, did you do one of the sharks in the fish are friends? Was that? Or yes. The, yeah. yeah. It was anchor. That's a fun, fun song. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Now there was also a good amount of time you spent, um, traveling, <laughs> I guess, touring with a big band. I did. Yeah. 
Uh, I got to fulfill a life stream that I didn't even know I had. Uh, the audition was hilarious because I was upstairs working uh, for Bobby Cronin and Crystal Skillman on their musical, uh, That's Andy, okay. and uh, playing uh, Boozer the Bum. <laughs> and so I was dressed in like torn jeans. And for some reason, I was unshaven and wearing a backwards baseball cap, which I never wear. And I just go downstairs for a break. And there's a room saying uh, big band auditions for singers. And I walk in, there's no one in the room. And they're like, hey, you want to audition? I'm like, uh, sure. Do you have a fake book? I have nothing on me. I'm upstairs in rehearsal. They're like, sure. I said, do you know goody goody? Sure. And I said, great. Imagine if you will, I'm shaved, impeccably slicked back hair, tuxedo, but with a white dinner jacket and a black cummerbund, really appropriate shoes. Do you have the picture? Yes. yes. And I said, oh, yeah. hit it. I ended up being the MC and Prince vocalist for a 15 piece 1940s big band that toured the country. Love that. The most amazing part of it was um, the first show. So, you know, we're, we're learning in rehearsal and like, hey, and now let's do the Marines and do the Marine song. And now let's do the, I can see Air Force and do that. And you do over there. I might get the, the actual songs wrong. Hmm. But, you know, we're rehearsing and then we finally were doing our first show in Norfolk, Virginia, I believe at a big base in a huge theater, big military town. And we start to sing the first song in honor of the Marines. And I look way up to the top of the balcony. And this one guy, 20 years old, probably stands up at attention, bam, he is right there. And then next to him, a man, and this is all the way up in the last balcony, last row. Yeah. I see a man, 80 if he's a day, put his hand on the seat, struggle his way up, Barely stand, and then shoulders back, bam, same pose. And you realize, oh my God, that guy, that 80-year-old guy was the 20-year-old guy when he was hearing this music. And we all saw, good Lord, here I go oh, again. Yeah. We all saw it, and we're all just trying to get through the song because it's, you realize what this means. This isn't just like, now we're singing big band and aren't we swell and great harmony. Yeah. It's well, this means something. This is this is knowing what pride is in your country, like on a visceral level mm -hmm. and not like jingoism, we're the best and everyone else is jerks and let's bomb them. But the like, mm -hmm. wow, these people really did something. And this was the music of that era. And this connects with them on a visceral level. That's why we do this. Mm. We help people to go through whatever it is they need to go through on a visceral level. And that honor and privilege to do that show kept us going through all the cafe gymnatoriums that we were on on that tour the huge theaters and the you know and everything it was phenomenal yeah that's the stuff that is that is those songs they every time chills and you know i didn't i didn't fully realize it right we're not gonna we're not gonna get into each armed force here <laughs> didn't right. expect this to come up but i didn't realize yeah. it you know until i have a family who's in uh, the air force. And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. And once you, once you hear a little bit more, you know, Thanksgiving it's, uh, Oh my goodness. Hashtag. The things that they do. So I can tell a story mm -hmm. <laughs> on a stage, which is vital. I mean, like, we it do, is. like well, don't worry. It is. I got it. I'm playing pretend for a living. We're good. <laughs> yeah. But it's just very interesting. You know, that's like, <laughs> protecting your and your now family. i get to be a standardized patient one of the uh, i work for uh uniform services university of the health sciences hmm. and uh they're a military hospital so i'm helping those military doctors and psychologists students hmm. train by working with them as a standardized patient one-on-one -on -one. that's incredible 
absolutely incredible. Yeah. How how have you balanced it? How do you view achievement versus fulfillment in your life? Hmm. It's the the conversation of what does success look like to you? And that's a tough one because people tell you what success looks like is um, you say, what do you do? They, have you been on Broadway? Have I seen you in any? Hmm. And when you hear it, you automatically want to start making excuses. And it's like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. What I have done is I am working with executives one-on-one to help them to be better communicators. That is success. I have earned my insurance from my basement, the exact setup you're seeing right now. I've earned my health insurance, like going through in an, under impossible circumstances. How is that not success? while holding on a relationship with a man I adore, love, and respect and keeping three pets alive, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. you get to, you get to define what success means for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. You, it, you hit it right on the head. I'm literally going to repeat what you say if I, if I say Please anything do. else. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think it's so, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I find that too, as I, you know, mature. I find that what is imposed on you or put upon you by the people around you, um, you know, you can, you can get, you can get, a you can get swayed by it a little bit, especially at a younger age, you know, but as you get older, like in a, that saying, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's like, I was like, Oh, who do I spend five? Who are my five people? Cause I am, it's true. And you have to, you know, yeah. cultivate who you're around and, and what you hear because it makes for a better, well, happier life, which I think is extremely yes. important. Uh, is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear in your field? <laughs> hmm. uh, you have to get out there and audition all the time. It's... You get to, uh, like, honestly, I don't get most of my jobs from auditioning. I get it by forming relationships. That's the, the, the awful news about this career is that there's too much to do. The great news about this career is that there's too much to do. So if you spend one month and you go to absolutely every audition, every EPA that you can hit, or in this case, film, like tape, absolutely every single one, um, you know, that you can, and then you get burnt out and then you, great. So now I'm going to do research. I'm going to do research on all the theaters in which I want to work, find out what they're doing for the season, or, you know, find out who's doing voiceover when, what are the best setups and do your research. And then you get burnt out from them. Then the next month you could do relationships. Who are the people doing what I want to do? Okay. Who is, um, I want to voice video games. So great. Who's doing that? Go on LinkedIn, find out who's hiring for video games hmm. and lean in, find the people that are doing it in New York and then do that. I, I did that and had a great success with that with Rockstar Games. Mm. So there's always you there isn't one path. Mm. I get almost everything that I do from relationships. There are people that trust my work now and hire me again and again and again, including the Barnstormers for over 20 years. Mm. Yeah. This relationship thing is not definitely not talked about enough within no. um, you know, crafting your career or your, you know, marketing yourself or whatever trendy word is being used to talk about your life path, but right. it's relationships. It is absolutely relationships. And it's all, you know, in theater, it's like three degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, metaphorically speaking, 
If you could put a word yes. or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Yes. Shine your light. What I found is that wherever I consciously shine my light, hmm. that's where things start to happen. So when the pandemic hit, um, you know, the I'm a multi-hyphenate, the 75 things that I did, so they went junk to four. <laughs> so there's business role play and sing my church gig and you know, et cetera. So I'm like, great. So I'm gonna lean into business role play. So I made a video of the work that I do, and it's now on, and I put it on LinkedIn and I put it on my website. I, I went on LinkedIn and I found, uh, or I Googled business role play. I found the companies that are doing it. I wrote letters to them. I wrote emails to them saying, here's what I do. Would love to talk with you and not, not ask for a job, but say, um, I'm just having a conversation with you about this work we both love. And as a result, you know, it, and the work doesn't necessarily come from, I do this and get a response back. I did that work. And yes, I did get some responses and I worked for six different role play companies and um, six different medical institutions. But when I was doing the business role play work, suddenly I got, and I put something on LinkedIn, my buddy from college, Michael Montgomery, I didn't know, runs that Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences program and told the woman that hires to, to give me a call. And I've been working for them ever since and it's great work. But it's because I was focusing my time, money and energy there mm. that it worked out. What That great point you made about the five people, mm. that's the same thing. Those five people, you're currently shining your light on those five people. So whoever they are to you and the energy they give to you and what you're reflecting back, if they are catty and fun, you're going to be a bitch. And if they are supportive people who are curious about what it is you're doing and how can I support you and help you with that, and you're doing the same for them, that's magic Yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. You know, during the pandemic, I noticed personally, my five people changed. Uh, and yes. it wasn't, it wasn't great, <laughs> but I didn't realize okay. you know, it had been a, it had been a, a, a saying, you know, that I had heard and resonated with me. And I was like, Oh, okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. It's absolutely true. You need to protect your energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't mean in a thirstful way where you keep it for yourself, but the shining the light, right? You help enough other people get what they want. You get what you want. You catch more flies with it. So, you get what you give. The people it's, that are, oh, that I see at every audition they're not, I learned this as a Boston actor when I was there. Yeah. The people you see every audition are not your competition. They are your support system. Mm-hmm. If I can't take a job because I've already booked, I can recommend three guys who are great mm. and they can do the same for me. It's that, you know, there, there's enough work for all of us. Yeah, there really is. There's enough everything for everyone on this earth. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's, it yep. changes the way one behaves and goes through life, but it's so true. I think, you know, I do, I believe that, you know, with karma, I think it, it go, go, what goes around comes around every time Yeah, in great ways and, and any other way, Doug, this conversation. Wow. Wow. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we've gotten to chat. What are you, what are you getting excited about? What are you looking towards? What's, um, I'll oh, thank you. I feel the same way. Thank you so much. This conversation was very exciting. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I've got a, uh, I've got some projects coming up, which are fun and, uh, they're like multiple character ones. Uh, um, I start rehearsals tomorrow night for Esther in the spotlight, um, by Rich Orloff and three people sent me the audition notice. It is a multi, a chorus 
they play multiple characters and sing in tight Manhattan transfer jazz harmonies. It's like they looked me. Oh, and it's very Jewish. It's the story of Esther. I'm like, it's like they looked me up and <laughs> I'm like, oh, those are all the things I do well. You're welcome. I auditioned and I got it. So That's that'll funny. be done on the 19th. Uh, the other thing is the Actors Fund. Um, my, it's still open. Uh, Doug and Chico Presents, where I got to read the work of my author friends hmm. um, with uh, Chico the Parrot, who's right here on my shoulder. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's a good chicken. Well behaved. Right, Didn't so, hear him uh, once. I got to read the work of my author friends and you know, put myself out there as an audiobook author, yeah. but also hold all them up. And it was to raise money for the Actors Fund. If you go to uh, justgiving.com slash Doug and Chico, spell out the word and, um, that has, uh, you can listen to all the authors and, you know, fundraise is still open. The Actors Fund was there for me and they gave me the grant that allowed me to get all the equipment that I had to learn how to use in the pandemic at age 50. <laughs> what does a 50 year old love more than learning new technology? Mm. <laughs> it's never it's never too late to learn another I'm sorry, thing. Sorry, some venom just dropped on the table and burned it. I got to take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Doug, thank you for taking this time. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. If you want to talk again or in person or otherwise, it would be wonderful. And thanks everyone for listening. People of the world, Doug Shapiro. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. Listener.